Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. What type of individual are you when, you're, when you take your wrestling shoes off, leave them in the middle of the mat, and now you become, you get in the real world? We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time and I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is yours truly, Ryan Warner, host of the show. My guest today is the great Hardell Moore, the head coach at the Oklahoma Wrestling Academy. He was also a two-time All-American for the Cowboys, NCAA finalist back in 1998. And Hardell is all about the love. You'll notice that when he's talking about wrestling. You know, he, he loves the wins and losses, don't get me wrong, but he's about changing lives through coaching. And that's really going to come through in this conversation. I enjoy the heck out of it. Hope you do as well, folks. Fan of the week goes to my man, Coach Shooter. That's Don Shooter II. Coach underscore Shooter2 on Instagram. Thank you for the t-shirt purchase and for supporting the show. That's it, folks. Let's get to the interview with the great Hardell Moore. Peace! Hardell Moore, welcome to the podcast, my friend. It's an honor to have you. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Pleasure myself, man. We are going to have some fun today. I know we've had some some good banter on the social networks over the years. Let's start with the origin story for you, though, man. Where'd you grow up and how'd you get into this lovely sport that we know as wrestling? So I grew up in uh, Coweta, Oklahoma, which is probably about uh, from where I live at now, Edmond. And Edmond's probably about an hour and a half, almost two hours east side of the state. And um, I had two older brothers. My oldest brother, Harvey, did not wrestle, but my middle brother, Howard, was a four-time All-American and two-time national champ for UCO. So what got me involved in wrestling, when I was about four or five years old and we moved to Coweta, Howard got a, uh, a flyer sent home from school. And my dad had always said if he had boys, he'd want them to wrestle. Well, like I said, my oldest one didn't wrestle. Me and Howard went up to the room. At this time, I was four years of age, ran around the room with them. I would stretch with them, and then when they would start doing technique and wrestling, I'd go sit on the side. Um, we ended up doing a tournament, and then at that tournament back in the day, I sound like I'm extremely old, but they actually had a, a sleep-in or lock-in at the tournament. Kids brought their sleeping bags, slept on the mat, and at four years of age, I thought that was extremely cool. Leaving the parking lot, I asked my mom and dad, I'm like, hey, where's Howard at? He's like, well, he gets to stay in the gym and get up and wrestle again in the morning. I'm like, I want to do that. And... One thing led to another. The next week, my coach, Ron McGill, was like, Ernie, you want to put him on a wrestling mat? And there you have it. That's how it took off. 
I don't remember tournaments having sleep ends back in the day. That sounds fun. Well, this was a, it was in a smaller rural town, probably about 45 minutes to an hour from Kuwaita and uh, just something different. And like I said, as a four-year-old kid, you're like, that's pretty cool. Right. Um, so we got up the next morning, oddly drove back to the place and, and got to watch him wrestle. It wasn't like, you know, it was a super 32 or a flow nationals or a big tournament like that nowadays. But uh, that, that kind of piqued my interest as a four-year-old kid. And did your pops wrestle as well? No, Ryan. My pops was a basketball player. Okay. Um, he, he grew up in a small town called Coyle, Oklahoma, uh, which is over by Langston University. And he used to wrestle with one of his buddies that was on the wrestling team. And he said he fared pretty well. Obviously, he didn't know anything about wrestling. He was just strong. Um, and that's where the thought process came from. Well, if I, when I get married and if I have some boys, I want them to wrestle. And, uh, you know, his parents really didn't allow, didn't allow him to wrestle. He played basketball. And uh, one thing led to another. He had three boys. Two out of those three wrestled. And there you have it. Rest is history. I got to tell you, man, looking at your results, I was, I was going through and noticed you won the Cadet Nationals at, I don't know if it was at Fargo back then, and then you got second another year. So you had a lot of success early on. What was the turning point for you to go from running around the room to being nationally, uh, national champ, national caliber? Yeah, man. So it was at, um, so back then Fargo or the cadets and juniors were split up back then. So it necessarily wasn't called quote unquote Fargo then. I think um, my cadet nationals, the first year was at Battle Creek, Michigan. The next year it was at like Central Missouri State University. And then my junior year, when I got runner-up, it was in St. Paul, Minnesota. So um, it was fun, man. I really, I probably didn't get, I mean, I've always had the wrestling bug, but I didn't know that was going to be my way to go get an education and my ticket to college probably till I was about, maybe after my freshman year, after mm -hmm. high school. I didn't make it to state. I didn't qualify for state. I went to Battle Creek, Michigan and placed seventh in the 143-pound uh, bracket. I even think I had Bono was in that bracket. I think Bono might have won it. I'm not for sure. Um, and then I won the Cadet Nationals the next year um, by defeating uh, Pritzloff mm -hmm. uh, in the finals there. And then I got runner-up my first year as in the Junior Nationals and kind of, you know, I got outside that box, right? I got outside Oklahoma and got my name known nationally. Um, granted, I still stayed here at home, but, you know, Hardell Moore, I was known here and then as well national-wise. Pritzloff, he's been on the show. What a hammer back in the day. I did not know you guys wrestled. That dude. Glenn was tough, man. He was tough. You know, he had those, those big tree trunk legs that he has now um, from the Dirty Jers. Just a tough dude. You know, we wrestled. I won, I won at Cadet Nationals. But when we got to college, it was called uh, SBAR Nationals back in the day, right? Not the U23. So um, he actually um, ended up beating me there in the finals there. So, you know, we had some battles, man. We had some battles. Hold on. I'm going to try to open this door here real quick. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, but we had some battles, man. Glenn was tough, you know, and I haven't seen him in a while. I saw some Penn State fans at NCAAs a few years back, and they were sitting up in a box with him. And I told him, I said, hey, make sure you tell him uh, Hardell Moore had said hello. He was tough, man. Glenn was <laughs> definitely tough. And I got to correct myself. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if you meant Glenn or Donnie. Uh, Donnie's been on the show, but Glenn has not. Um, 
But yeah, yeah. Never wrestled Donnie, but me, me and, matter of fact, we wrestled in a duel too. We wrestled in a duel in Stillwater where Penn State came down and uh, and Pritzloff beat me by one or two points. So we had some battles, man. It was, it was good stuff. Man, you were, there's a lot of good college stories I'm excited to dive into because you wrestled a couple of Illinois boys back in, back in the day, you know, Joe Williams and Ernest Binion. Um, and, but before yeah. you even became a starter, you were a true freshman. Uh, I believe you were a true freshman the year that Pat won his fourth. Yes, I was a true freshman that year. Yeah, so that's a fun year because that's actually the last year in the documentary we're doing. So um, we're not going beyond that yeah. 94 year, but that's a crazy year because you guys were coming off the probation. John was the head coach for the first time, and yeah. Pat was going for his run. Dude, how nasty yeah. was Pat in the room back then? Pat was nasty. So, you know, quick story, Ryan. My first, quote, unquote, initiation into the college wrestling world was a two-hour practice with Pat and John, right? So I literally – I did not score a takedown, I don't think, in my first month there. Um, it was all escapes. So I wrestled Pat and John for the two hours and just got demolished. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where you keep getting up, you dust yourself off, and you keep battling. And Pat was just – you look at him, he's, he doesn't have all the muscles and all of that stuff, this and that, but what he had was, was this right here. And he was a gamer. He was a winner. Um, if it wasn't his best day, he would still find a way to win that match. And a lot of that I got to see firsthand in college, in the practice room, and learn from that. You know, that team was pretty salty, man. I mean, extremely salty with Pat, Freed, McGrew, Branch. You had Scotty Renee was a true freshman as well. So there were some dudes on that team. But Pat was uh, – he was something else mentally he was something else mentally he took it to a whole different level mentally in that situation and when you got there were you and mark branch you know just young young pups in the team at the same time or he already been there for a year well branch was already there for a year so my my true obviously that was his red shirt year and you know one of the memories i just put out on instagram a little while ago people forget man branch went in with the losing record seven and nine um but the losses that he had was against the the Shannon Fries of the world. Uh, you know, I think maybe even him and Jason Leonard wrestled before at Bedlam. He was in all these matches and he's going overtime. So, you know, expect the unexpected and, you know, perseverance seeds don't mean anything. I mean, the guy goes in and just, you know, and once he got that taste in his mouth, it was all downhill after that. And you just saw the belief and confidence in him every round by round by round by round. And that transferred into year by year by year. And then to show the mental toughness after tearing his ACL his junior year, goes all the way back, wrestles Brandon Slay in the finals and becomes a NCAA champion after tearing his ACL. And you got to remember, he wrestled Weber at national duels, and I think he majored Weber at national duels. And, you know, unfortunately ends up tearing his ACL in the finals. But, yeah, I learned a lot that year, man. Took a lot of butt whoopings, but I learned a lot that year. Well, the crazy thing is that if you talk to – Pat or John, they say at the end of the year, like as soon as Branch became a starter and qualified for the Nationals, he just automatically started having better goes with Pat Smith. And him and Pat were going even a little bit yes. at the end. Yeah, it was uh, his confidence level took off. And I, I recall one practice, I couldn't get off bottom. 
I could not get off bottom from branch. And I, it felt like I was down there for three days, but probably more in reality, 30 minutes. And coach just was on me. He's like, Hardell, you got to get up, got to get up, got to get up. I mean, you know, you get one of the best leg riders in the nation and he's right in your room and you get to wrestle him every day. I will say this, you know, we did wrestle a lot early in our career, but the older we got, we were like, you know what, <laughs> let's find some more people to beat up on. But it, it, it taught me a good valuable lesson on how to get out of legs. Branch was, he wasn't the strongest guy in the world, but I promise you when you were underneath him and that leverage of six foot two, six foot three, felt like he could bench 400 some pounds. It was crazy. But yeah, his confidence just went from here to here. Like I said, he got that taste and you weren't going to take it away from him. Now that you're a coach, what do you think that is? Is it just self-belief and other people giving you the permission to win? Well, I think it's self-belief and then also what you tell yourself, right? Like it's, you know, we got, we, you know, I tell my kids that I coach, right? Positive mindset is key. When you're going after the wrestle, you got to have a positive mindset. I don't care if his kids beat you 10 times, 12 times, 15 times, whatever. Your mindset's got to be on point. And if your mindset's not on point, well, you're already beat, right? So the positive mindset is extremely key. And that's what Branch had. He had self-belief, right? Believe in your training, believe in your coaches, believe in your ability, and believe you're going to go out and win this match. And that's the key. You know, the youth level is obviously different than we know than the college level. So a lot of positive reinforcement to my little guys. And all my, some of my kids are different. Some of them like the rah-rah. Some of them just want to pat on the back and say, let's go get them, kid. You know, so everybody's different. But as a coach on the other side now, you have to learn how to uh, get that message to your kids. And I feel that we at OWA, we do a good job of that, all our coaches. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. OWA, Oklahoma Wrestling Association, started as the Edmund Generals, if, I, if my research serves me correctly. But um, yep. how, how did the uh, – tell us about OWA and what, what, what you guys are doing out there. Well, OWA, first off, Ryan, is – uh, it's, it's a nonprofit 501c3. Everybody involved has a full-time job. And uh, it's just about giving back to these kids, man. I mean, giving back to the sport that has given us so much. Wrestling's opened up a lot of doors for me. Um, you know, and I got to take this opportunity to thank all of a lot of people that are on our board, our committees, our parents, our volunteers, our sponsors. Like, they know who they are. So salute to all of those, those guys and gals, you know. And just the belief in structure discipline, our core values with humility, positivity, um, hard work, and integrity, right? We want, we want our kids to go by those four things. And it's been phenomenal to see what it has done for the state of Oklahoma. You know, and there's some other good clubs out there, but I think what we're doing is something special. And it's, it's, it's unique and, and different. And, you know, we, uh, we've had some good feedback from it. And it's fun to watch these kids grow and develop them from the time they were little with the Edmund Generals, right? You brought up that. You went old school with Edmund Generals, which, which I think is extremely awesome. And then those kids that were Edmund Generals transferred into Oklahoma Wrestling Academy. And now some of those kids are, you know, they're all Americans. They're graduating. They got the degree. They got kids. They got a job. They're off into the real world. And that's the key, right? That's the key. Life lesson. We want them to be state champions if they can and all Americans, NCAA champs. But we also know that's not going to be capable for everybody. What type of individual are you when, you're, when you take your wrestling shoes off, leave them in the middle of the mat, and now you become, you get in the real world? Man, I love the holistic approach, especially in the age of all these academies, which I think are great things too, but I was just shocked to learn that, to your point, no one gets 
you, everyone has a full-time job and it's really that, that kind of thing where I thought it was just a standalone academy. And that's all you did. No. So no, that is not, uh, that's not my J-O-B. It, it, it probably may seem like it because I'm, I'm there so much. I have a very understanding and loving wife and also understand that it goes beyond the sport of wrestling and the, the young men and women that we are impacting, the young parents or parents that we are impacting, you know, and that's why, that's where we're a little bit different. Like I said, you know, and nothing against anybody else. That's just how we have formed it and, and continue to do it. And that's what's uh, extremely special to me and my heart and all of our volunteers that after they get off their job from eight to five or whatever that time may be, you go up to the room and you give back for those few hours throughout the week. Mm, love it. I got to say, though, I don't like that Team Oklahoma is beating up on Team Illinois at the junior duels. But other than that, well, I'm hey, okay with hey, it. Hey, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're just trying to get in where we can fit in, Ryan. Hold <laughs> on, man. You got you to you let us live a little bit now. You got to let us live a little bit. You know, there was a run when y'all was – I mean, you already doubled up enough in the cadets and the juniors and the schoolboys. So, you know, when we get a chance to get out there and shine with them Illinois boys, we want, we want to make sure we do it. And there's been some great duels, great matchups. And, you know, what that, what that bottom line shows, though, is what, you know, folks like a Mike Powell and many other people in the state of mm. Illinois that are doing and folks that are doing things here, right? So, you know, I understand that. I, 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 I love the background of that, right? I, I love listening to someone like Powell and all those guys in Illinois. I mean, Izzy, all those dudes, man, that shows progression. And the goal is to make the state better, right? That's the big goal, to make the state better, to where you can have the hotbed, whether it's in Illinois, whether it's in Oklahoma, whether it's in Iowa, whether it's in PA, whatever the case may be, those coaches come to that backyard. So everybody, keep up the good work. Man, I love that it's just a, you have a statewide focus for it. I mean, that's, that's pretty unique that you just decided to do that. How did it go from the Edmund – is it the Edmund Generals to what you're doing now? Yes. Well, so the Edmund Generals, we used to work, at a, work out at the uh, UCO Wrestling Room and the Edmund North High School. And I ran that for – it was already started when I got there. I kind of – I became the head coach at that point in time because I was the only single person, right? Everybody else that was involved was married. So – I just got out of college. I still had that college mentality, right? So I'm 22, 23 years of age doing this stuff. And I go to a class of 10 kids that don't know a stance. So coming from that O State room and the mentality that I had, my first two years as a youth coach, I was horrible. I sucked because I didn't have the patience. I wasn't married. I didn't have any kids of my own. And I'm thinking, why can't these little dudes get this stance down? <laughs> so at about the three month range, right around Christmas, I was pretty close to be like, you know what? I'm going to deuce this up. I'm done. Like I'm, I'm finished with this. But I started seeing kids do some of the things that we talked about and went from one thing to another. A couple of folks came up to me and asked me, man, Hardell, what do you think about a year round Academy? Well, I, I don't, I, let's, let's, I, I don't know. I was suspect. Hadn't had one in Oklahoma. Right. So one thing led to another and it was a, uh, there was no blueprint. Uh, we made mistakes. We'll continue to make mistakes. We'll continue to get better from those mistakes. But to see where OWA started to where OWA is now, it's a great progression. And, you know, there's a lot of people involved in that. And like I said, I salute all those people that have been involved with that. And are there other academies in Oklahoma doing, the, doing their thing right now as well? Yeah, you got different academies by different names and different things like that. And I think OWA has kind of sparked, has lit that match, if that yeah. makes sense, right? And kind of like what you and I just talked about, 
a betterment for the state of Oklahoma or a betterment for the state of Illinois or wherever those academies and or clubs may be. And that's the whole goal, right? That's the whole goal. We want to make sure, you know, um, wrestling's a, a small community as we know, right? You know, you see someone in a bar, whatever, cauliflower ear, man, you, re- oh man, we got a connection already, right? So there's other clubs doing that as well. And it's, it's, it's going to help out the state of Oklahoma, but more importantly, it's going to have a good foundation and some structure for these young men and women that we all get a chance to help out because they're the next generation. They're the next future. Right. And that's, that's kind of the mindset you got to have. It's bigger than, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than OWA. It's bigger than Illinois. It's bigger than all of us involved. Right. This is a bigger picture. And this is about, our youth and our future. How did you come to get this perspective versus, you know, man, it just seems like you're, you're wise beyond your years at this point when it comes to this whole well, I am, goal. I, I am 45 now, Ryan. <laughs> I mean, you know, I will say that. No, I, I don't know, man. I kind of look at things sometimes a little bit differently and I'm pretty sure there's other people that may have the same philosophy or mindset for me to kind of look at, or than I do that I do and look at things like that. I just, that's what's best for the state. That's what's best for the state, and that's what's best for the kids. And that's why we do this, is what's best for the kids. Not what's best for, like I said, me or you or whoever. It's what's best for these kids. you got to be unselfish. cannot be selfish as a youth head coach. Now, if you're going for that Olympic title and world championship, NCAA, you better be selfish. You have to be selfish there, right? I've, I've, I've lived that part. Now it's time for me, you know, my 22nd year of doing this, to give back. And I want other people that's either around me, um, beside me, that help coaches with me. I want them to have that as well because it's a, it's a big picture. It's that 10,000-foot view that I talk about that we got to have as youth coaches. And, you know, like I tell our kids, someday they're going to be in my boat. And I want them to say some of the same things I'm saying and be like, I got something from Coach Ardell. That was good, you know? I love it. What It really just shows that it's um... – it's a perspective thing, but also it just seems like the coach route is in being selfless. There's just more fulfillment in life than being, um, you know, focused on yourself. You're right, man. To see, I probably get more excited when my kids do something or accomplish something than what I did when I was wrestling. Right. You know, when I was, had a chance to coach my nephews, I got more excited when they won their bigger matches than whatever I did. Right. Same thing with my little dude or any of my kids that I coach, right? And that's, 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 that's just me. Everybody else is different, right? But that is just me. And I want to keep that mindset and, you know, love on them when they need to be loved on, kick them in the rear end when they need to be kicked in the rear end. But bottom line, have fun with it. Learn life lessons from it. And in the future, you know, in the long haul, you'll be better for it, mm-hmm. you know? And you, you mentioned earlier, you post uh, some videos on Instagram, and I love your, I think you call them story time with Hard, Hardell or the Hard, yeah, Hardell story stories. Time mem- memory time. Memory yeah, time. That's like what that. it is. That's Memories. Right. Yeah. yeah. Memory time. Well, it yeah. was the OSU Chronicles, but then now you started shifting to, uh, to some of these memories, and these are just more just Well, gems. I still, so I do, I do, I do uh, my OWA Chronicles. For OWA. Like OWA. Yeah. Yeah, OWA Chronicles for our fan base and for our family form and for our, our OWA family. And then the memory things are just some things that, you know, you got the newer generation. We got, we got wrestling changed your life stuff now that we didn't have back then. And 
you know, I know you've had Piccolo on, I know you've had Branch on, I know you've had Jamil on, and there's so many other stories that some of this newer generation, they don't know anything about that, right? You know, obviously you do your research, so you're well versed into that, you know, but there's some that don't, whether it's someone my, my son's age, he's nine or 10 or 11, you know, they know about the JBs and Dakes and Taylors and Jaden Cox and all those guys. Uh, you know, and which they should, you know, yeah. Helen, which they should, they should know all of that stuff. But there was a lot of stories way back in the day too, that are just some phenomenal stories. Could you share the, uh, your point of view with respect to the Piccolo story at the 97 nationals? Yeah. So I, I did, I, I, I got a little bit of information wrong as pick hit me up. He was like, I wrestled not was it nine or 10 matches on the backside because he lost his pigtail match. Yeah. And I remember Brian at that point in time, like I said, he used to wrestle Aaron Strobel all the time. And Aaron came from Clemson because Clemson dropped their wrestling program. And he had some funk and all of that stuff with him too, but so did Piccolo. And they would get into some odd circumstances as 190 pound men out there rolling around and wrestling. And I just remember that story. Now, Brian is, Obviously, he's a police officer here in Oklahoma City. Obviously, Tate and his other son, Cam, you know, they're going to Oklahoma. And Piccolo's been down here for a long time. And we've crossed paths and just a good dude, great friend of mine, right? And just sharing that story about just grit, like just showing grit and bite down on your mouthpiece and battling all the way back to get that, to, to get All-American, become a two-time All-American and didn't start wrestling until he was a freshman, sophomore in high school, something like that. Like, it's crazy. You know, he's a walk-on. So, yeah, man, I love it's, sharing those things. It's cr- it is crazy because he, um, yeah, he never, like you said, barely wrestled in high school and just just came from nothing to, to grind, nothing. grind it out. And, like, your message yes. in that memory was, uh, um, was just grit. And it's like, man. Grit. Just grit. Straight grit. And that's exactly what he showed, straight grit. And so when you were battling at Oklahoma State – your senior year was 98. And so, yeah. yeah, so 97, the national duels between Iowa and Oklahoma State is probably one of my favorite events. <sighs> oh, my gosh. Now, you beat Joe in overtime at that one, right? No, no. Okay, Listen, I thought you did. No. So, did here's it how OT? this – It went to overtime. Okay. So, we're battling, and uh, – I for, scores one to one, right? Joe Williams was a guy that you could not make a mistake on. There was two of them, Ernest Binion, Joe Williams, right? And if you made one mistake, you're either getting turned, taken down, or they're escaping from you one way or the other. Now, me and Joe crossed paths in high school as well before the quote-unquote national duels. They had, a, they had a dual tournament in Chicago Obviously, Joe, Joe Williams from Mount Carmel High School. And it was another one two-point match there as well. Never beat Joe Williams. So we go into overtime. We're scrapping, going for takedowns. He gets behind me. Our Granby roll, we out. We're going through all this stuff. And like I said, it was kind of a – it's one of those matches where we sit there a lot, but when you sprint, you sprint, right? So it's one-to-one. And back then, it was just the flip of the coin, right? Flip of the coin, get your choice, you go down. Well, it was my choice. I won. Bam. I mean, I'm going to get him right here. I'm I'm getting out. I go down. 30 seconds. Get up to my feet. Go back down. Get up to my feet. Go back down. We go out of bounds. I think there's probably 20 seconds left on the clock. Go back down. 
get up, Joe drops down, I kick. Okay, I mule kick like two to three times and I finally get away. But at the point that I'm getting ready to turn around, this dude with them long old arms reaches, grabs my ankles, climbs up my body. By that time, time's run out. And I kind of, I started facing him, but he still had a body lock on me, right? And I wasn't out far enough to where the ref could award one point. And I'm, I'm throwing up one like this. John's throwing up one. Perry's throwing up one. And I'm like, oh, hands up. He literally did like a – he was like a like a puma cat leap. Yes. I'll never forget. You had separation. and it Yes. Because that match yes. is shown in a number of – actually, Dan Gable documentaries because that 97 season was his last year. Yes. And the national duels was heated because Okie State, you guys won. Yes. yes. Um, and that match, so Joe was like a just – it was so close to getting out. I've, I've it, been mean asked about that forever. Well, and you're right. I did have separation, but I didn't have separation where I could turn. I kicked out and was getting ready to, and bam, he was right back on. He was right back on me, and there you have it. There were some good matches in that duel, man. That was, that was heated. And, you know, back then – we were sitting side by side. So we were on this side. I was on here. You know, it wasn't like they were across the mat. So there was some, there was some nice verbiage going back and forth, man. But it was good. It was fun, you know. And that, that's what it was about back then, man. It was awesome. There was some real hatred back then. And yes. I, there, there still is now, but definitely back then. Well, probably nothing like it was back then, right? I mean, it was some good stuff. I remember the first time I wrestled in Carver Hawkeye, I stepped on that mat. I'm like, I don't think this mat is regulation. There is no way in hell this mat is regulation, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, we won, uh, we won a duel there. I think it was, was it my senior year. Yeah. Um, ben Lee, our heavyweight, won in overtime. And I remember Coach Smith told us, he goes, hey, whatever the outcome of this match, we shake hands and we run right to the, right to the back. And sure enough, outcome of the match, we shake hands and run right to the back. And there was some nice words being said to us going back into the tunnel. But it was all good stuff, right? Because those fans, those Iowa fans from back then, even till now, they know they're wrestling, right? They know they're wrestling. They're passionate about their wrestling. They're supportive of their wrestling team. And as you as a competitor going into there, you want that, right? You want to have that fire. And if you do beat them, kudos to you. But if you don't, you better believe you're going to hear it. And there's nothing wrong with that. It wasn't anything bad. It was good, hard, clean, fun. Let's have a couple of choice words. Let's get about our way. It was good, though. It's fun. Yeah, and those teams, just, just some of the matchups alone were a lot of fun. I mean, you had oh. Mena versus Guerrero. Um, yes. It just, there's just a ton of guys in there that, you know, all household names. And it's just crazy to think that you guys met at the 97 National Duels. Oklahoma State beat Iowa. Gable's last year is looking in doubt. And then at the Nationals, 97, we know what happened. But just, just the rivalry during those couple of years was, was really intense between the two schools. Extremely intense extremely awesome you know that weird feeling you go in to weigh in they're warming up on one side you're warming up on the other side or cutting weight whatever we may be doing you know you're cordial but you're not that cordial you kind of make an eye contact a little bit but it was uh it was fun man and that's why you go to those programs right that's why you go to those programs like that obviously there's a lot more parity in the sport now which is awesome for the sport but that's why you go there you know i mean you go to carver hawkeye 15,000 fans, we had 15 cheering for us, you know, <laughs> you take it, right? You know, you take it. So that's what you want, man. You got, you got the Smiths, you got the, you got the brands, you got the Perrys involved, you got the Cowboys and the Hawkeyes, man. And 
you, you can't, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. it. Gives me goosebumps now talking about that. Mm, me too, man. Now, who were who were your who was your coach in the room during that time? Who was your go-to guy? So I had uh, Coach Perry was probably my go-to guy in the room. He really took me under his wing. Um, we had a real good relationship, and Coach Smith would come in from time to time. Obviously, right? He's the head coach as, as well, and you know his resume speaks for itself, but. Uh, Coach Perry really took a liking to me and kind of took me under his wing and kind of led me in the right direction. And John saw that and it, it, it worked out for everybody involved, you know. Um, and that's who really showed me a lot of my different techniques and so on and so forth. And I've had, you know, Coach Smith obviously walked around the room as well and different things like that. But I have to say, Coach Perry really took me under his wing when I was there. And, uh, you know, that was a plus for me. And that's a sign of a good head coach also as well, seeing, okay, where can my assistants fit? I mean, you see it now to this day, right? Like, obviously, John didn't coach Joe because, one, he's nervous enough already. Probably made Joe even more nervous when he was coaching him. So that's where Espo and Chris stepped into play, mm-hmm. right? So that's, that's, that's the sign of a good coach and being like, how can, how can I get my athlete, student athlete to perform at his best? And what coach at that point in time will help him get there? That's how yeah. it was. And it seemed like, to your point, it was really um... – you know, you had, it's kind of like a CEO, then you have the different coaches running their different weight groups. Yes. Um, but I didn't know Mark Perry was your guy because he's obviously a, you know, a, a lighter weight guy. He has a, uh, an abrasive style though. What, what drew you to that? What was that again? I'm sorry. He has an abrasive what style. Abrasive and I said, style? What, what, I mean, what drew you to that kind of style versus, you know maybe what, another approach? the dude just, I'll put it, okay, here's probably it. So I get there. Obviously, I'm, a, I'm wet behind the ears. I don't know much. I know nothing about Matt wrestling, right? Nothing. And Perry was a leg rider in college. So I'm coming in at this point in time, I'm probably weighing 180, 85 pounds, right? I'm still young. I'm still a baby. Ryan, we wrestled top and bottom. I say top and bottom. I stayed on bottom for about 30 minutes. Couldn't get out. Could not get out. And just his, granted, he's a smaller guy than I was. Um, it still is, but just his positioning and understanding what to do and not saying I was a legger, but obviously I think we created a bond there. I mean, I knew John already. I knew coach Smith already, but I didn't know Mark like I knew John already. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that just helped bring us together. I also, um, I babysat his kids one night when him and Kathy went out to a dinner or movie. So yes, I babysitted Mark jr. Chris and Hannah. (laughs) <laughs> right. So I'm thinking, man, if coaches entrusted me with these with his own kids. I guess he must think I'm I'm worthwhile right now. Funny story behind that. And they can all attest to this. They locked me out of the house. I got locked out of the house uh, on purpose. Chris and Mark was the were, were the uh, <laughs> had the thought process behind it. And Hannah changed. But she ended up unlocking the door and let me in. So. We just kind of kept building a bond from then, and it, it's continued now with both of them, Coach Smith and Coach Perry, from from back then all the way until till now. So, but yeah, that dude's style was something, man. And you know, he's like, he kind of tailored to my wrestling style a little bit, which I liked. And you know, he had that famous whistle, and I knew exactly what that meant every time he did it. Man, how were uh, were were Mark um, and Chris old enough to wrestle at that point when you were like babysitting them? Yeah, they were old enough to wrestle. So, you know, I know you've had them both on here as well, right? And, and you know, uh, wrestling was life for those dudes, right? And, I mean, Chris, when he was little, because Jamil used to coach Chris at, back in the Cowboy wrestling day, Chris would sit in the corner, 
and he could give you stats among stats among stats among stats among stats about kids and even if they weren't at his weight. So he was a fanatic back then. You know, obviously, you know, the story is Chris took a redshirt year and played basketball one year when he was like in third or fourth grade. <laughs> that didn't last very long, right? And uh, things just kind of took off from there, man. But yeah, they were, those dudes were scrappy. Obviously, you see what their resume is now, two-time national champs for both of them and both of them doing great things on the coaching side. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been fun to watch them grow and still be in contact with both of them and just see the great things that they're doing for this sport and for the universities that they're re- representing now. Yeah, it's awesome. And obviously, a lot, of, a lot of great grandkids in that group, so I'm sure we'll see more of them. Um, yeah. Sure. Let me ask you this. When Oklahoma State was, was putting together their run in the 2000s, were you there? Were you close to that program at all then? Yeah, I mean, I still stay contacted and extremely close to the program. Um, you know, I got some former kids up there, you know, Boo Llewellyn, Caden Gefeller. You know, um, Derek was up there. Obviously, he's graduated, Austin Schaefer and some other guys that were there as well. So, and obviously knowing Zach and Chris and Coach Smith and so on and so forth. So I'm still very well connected to the program um, and just watching those guys and being able to watch someone like a Zach Esposito come in once again from the Dirty Jersey and doing what he did and, and uh, mm. you know, which was awesome and still being a part of the Okie State family as far as the coaching staff goes. But, you know, those teams back then, man, and also you got to remember, you know, I know you talked to Daniel, Eric, and Jamil. You know, that's a lot of the reason why, who those guys were training with, right? You know, you got three Olympic, three Olympians and, and Mola Wall was, was in the mix. So you got them covered from basically 118, 125, all the way up to Dagner heavyweight. Yeah. So they were good on all, all levels, man. Whether it's, was, you know, Johnny Thompson training with somebody, Rochalk training with somebody, Espo training with somebody, um, you know, they were tough, man. They were tough. But, yeah, still stay connected to the program. Um, I mean, it made me, right? It's kind of – it opened up a lot of doors for me. So I'm, I'm blessed for that program. No one's bigger than the program, as John W. says. Nobody's bigger than the program, man. And that program has given – you know, we talk about this a lot of what Coach Smith has done on the college ranks and how many guys are coaching on the – whether it's D1, D – whatever, college level, head, assistant, or whatever. That's not even counting some of us dudes out here on the youth level, too. I mean, there's a bunch of us out here on that youth level that used to wrestle for Coach Smith, you know, such as myself. You got Nick Perler doing his thing. You got Shane Roller and, and Bigsby doing his thing, amongst others that are doing their thing. But, like, that, that, that coaching tree of Coach Smith is – it's crazy. It's absolutely Man, crazy. It's crazy. And the, the teams where um, – you know, the teams where his guys are coaching at, they do really well which you couldn't always say that about some of the Gable head coaches. Um, and so I, and generally there's a consensus that maybe John Smith's tree does better than, than Gable's. And I just want to ask you, what did you learn from coach Smith that you use now in super broad question? But what I'm getting at is everyone knows that John is not the most empathetic coach sometimes, and it can be, he can be hard on guys. And I just wanted to know what, what you picked up from that over the years and how you apply that to your own, own game. You know what? There's one thing. I, I mean, there's a lot of things, but patience was one of them. I mean, you know, we have to remember when Coach just got when he started coaching, he wasn't too far from competition mode, right? So his thought process was a little bit different because he just finished. He just finished, mm-hmm. right? And then it's kind of like not obviously to that level, but when I graduated and then I go coach these four and five year old kids that don't know a, a, a stance yet. This dude's just won his 
second Olympic championship, six, six gold medals. And now he's coming in with a baby face kid from Kuwait, uh, <laughs> other kids from Oklahoma city. Some of them may be shy. Some of them may not be as mentally tough as he was. So he had to work through that process. Right. Sometimes he could have easily said, man, y'all pack y'all stuff up and get out of here. But also understanding, you know, I'm not the wrestler now. I am the coach. I have to show patience to my student athletes. And that's what he did. And he's continuously gotten down. I mean, he's one of the greatest coaches ever, obviously one of the greatest wrestlers ever as well. So patience is one of the things that I learned from coach. Um, the trust in his athletes, trust in his abilities, um, and just having full confidence in yourself, right? We used to write in the journals. He used to have us write in the journals, which was awesome because those are the goals that you're trying to get to. And he would pass them out every year before practice. You know, some took advantage, some didn't. I took advantage and I'd write down my goals. Did I accomplish them all? No, but I knew once I stepped into that wrestling room, what my goal was for that day and what my end goal was for that season. And, you know, I wasn't, I tell people this, it's kind of funny. I tell people this, I wasn't necessarily scared of Coach Smith or Coach Perry. I wasn't scared of them at all. I was scared of Ernest Moore and Margaret Moore. So I didn't want, I wasn't going to disappoint Coach because I knew if I disappointed Coach, then I disappointed my parents, mm. right? So Coach had no worries about me. I made my grades, I stayed out of trouble, and I wrestled to the best of my ability. And I think he appreciated that because obviously our relationship now is, you know, it's different now, right? It's awesome, right? Not saying it wasn't awesome then, but obviously I'm the, I'm the, I'm the pupil, you know, now I'm a grown man, but yeah, a lot of patience, man. And I, I carry that along, whether it's with the kids that I coach, cause some of them are going to get the techniques earlier. Some will get them later. Some will have that dog mentality earlier. Some will get them later. So you got to have patience and understand what your athlete needs at that point in time. And man, you said it. I mean, to see someone go through that kind of transition as Coach Smith did, you obviously saw that firsthand, um, yeah. you know, because he was so close to competing. And then obviously now he's, you know, one of the, the best and most tenured coaches there is. You know, looking yeah. forward, looking forward to, to the season with your guys, how do you do goal setting with your, young, your youth wrestlers? And how do you track that throughout well, the year? Well, you know, uh, we talked about goal setting at the beginning of the year and just kind of, you know, what do you want to do when you come to practice, right? You know, I asked my son that, Maddox, what's your goal for today? Not to give up a takedown. Okay. Right? Will it happen all the time? No, he's going to give up a takedown. But just them having that thought process of understanding this is what I'm trying to accomplish today. Okay. And even though they're babies, their mind is still developing, they're young and everything like that, you still want to try to implement some of those. Do I ask him every day what his goal is for practice, wrestling practice or football practice? No, he's nine, right? <laughs> but every once in a while, I'll ask him and he'll say, um, you know, whatever it is, escape from everybody or get a certain turn. And all my kids, you know, we, we, got, we got those kids in there like that. But, you know, we want them to have fun. We want them to scrap hard. And don't get all wrapped up right now on the youth level about wins or losses. Just go wrestle, right? At, two things I ask of my wrestlers, and I tell my parents this consistently, attitude and effort. Attitude and effort. You give me great, if you give yourself great attitude and if you give yourself great effort, whether you win or lose, it doesn't even matter right now. Let's just go scrap, put it on, tie them shoes up, give it your best shot, see what happens. 
Man, sounds easy, and I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's challenging when you have some of those, you know, some of the parents who are putting it in a different perspective, but that's, that's why it's great to have someone like you running the show. Do you coach your own kid, Hardell? I, I do. I do. So we, I've obviously been doing it for a while, and I've seen what, what to do, what not to do, if that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. So, and also setting those goals and those standards for whether my other coaches and or my other parents. I've wrestled at a high level. So I get the big picture, right? I don't know if he'll wrestle. Nobody knows if we're going to wrestle in college or whatever they're going to do, but he will have wrestling as a part of his background, should we say. But I coach him. But I also, I think I do a pretty good job of separating the dad from the coach part, right? So whether we get up to practice early or go up on the weekend, that's where I really kind of hone in on, on some things with him. During practice time, I really don't say much to him, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm coaching other kids. Um, you know, if he gets taken down, I'm, Hey, Maddox, you got to base up, base up, base up. But I don't, that's one of those things that I do with all of our kids, Yeah. but also as being the head coach and being out there on the mat, you know, I, I don't, I'm not over the top of him. I give him his space. I do coaching because I've been doing it long enough. And I kind of, I understand that balance, right? I had a good test run with my nephews when they wrestled for me, Keegan and Zachary. And now with this little dude, um, I think I do it. I think I have a good balance and I don't, I don't over-exaggerate it. Once again, attitude and effort. You do that, you may get beat 10 to zero, but if you give me great attitude and give me great effort, let's go get some Gatorade water, get ready for the next round. Let me ask you this. We're, we're going to wind it down, but what if your son said he didn't want to wrestle? Is it for you where wrestling is just like a general ed requirement that you have to do until high school or, or is that not how you see it? I'm just curious on, no, kids are going to be kids, man, and they're going to choose their path. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, that's kind of the big push of it. You know, I mean, there's been obviously great wrestlers out there that their kid did not wrestle. And yeah. that was the path that I chose for me. I'm glad that he's got it as a background right now. But kind of like I mentioned before, you know, Duke, he, he's pretty good at football, too. You know, and, um, you know, if you ask me right now, it's football one and wrestling two or one A, one B, however the case may be. So. He'll find his path the older he gets and the more experience and more knowledge he learns um, to where he finds that deep love for one or the other. He may love, he's going to eventually love one more than the other. That's just, that's, that's the nature of the beast. And all we can do as parents, support our kids, man, support our kids the best way we can, the best way we know how, and uh, just be there for them. Love on them when they need to be loved on. And like I said, kick them in the butt when they need to be kicked in the butt. (laughs) But, uh, be there for them, support them in whatever they can do because they can do whatever they want to do, man. Man, do well, Hard- they do. Hardell, your uh, perspective on wrestling is enlightening and refreshing. So I'm excited to hear your answer to this question. What has wrestling, yeah, what, yeah this is, it, we'll wind down with this. What has wrestling given you or what, what do you take away from the sport the most in your, uh, you know, your many years being involved? Oh, man. You know, wrestling is obviously the name of this podcast, and I know you've heard it a thousand times, has changed many lives. Um, and what wrestling has given me is discipline, uh, patience. I talked about that. Motivation, humility um, is one of the big things I'm, I'm, I'm huge on is humility. Because we know in this sport, you can be on top of the mountain one week. The next week, you're down at the bottom of the mountain. So continue to stay humble. Um, continue to stay hungry. And uh, continue to stay focused on your goals. But wrestling has opened up many doors for me my family, 
me getting a chance to meet other people, do situations like this, get on this type of platform, my son to meet people that, you know, he might not have had a chance to meet, but it's through this sport of wrestling, right? And I want him and my daughter, who scraps a little bit, she's in our little grapplers class, um, for her to learn through that, the self-discipline and motivation too. And just the life lessons that this sport teaches each individual that laces them up. Mm. Life lessons are, you cannot, you cannot underrate the life lessons that wrestling teaches you. So there, I don't know if that answered it exactly, it but there's a whole melting pot of what this sport has done for me and how it's quote unquote changed my life. It's made me into the person I am. And uh, I'm grateful for that. And we're grateful to have you, Hardell Moore. Thank you very much for your time today, sir. It's been an honor. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it, brother. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, WrestlingChangedMyLife.com. Take care, y'all.